Happy Sunday and welcome to Brunch with Des B. I'm your host, Des, also known as Des B, here to provide you with your favorite way to start the week. Every Sunday, we explore new topics and dive into conversations that matter and some that truly do not. Tune in each week to smile, learn something new, and join your favorite brunch gang. Let's get into it. Hello, you guys. I am so excited for today's episode. Next week, we are right back on track. We will have our weekly watches, weekly reviews, weekly skincare. You guys know the deal, but I really want to dive right into this week's episode. I have Rachel Shepard on, also known as Hey Sleepy Baby. And if you have not heard of her, this is your opportunity to get to know her. I highly encourage that you check out the show notes description box, link in bio. As you guys know, that's what I call it because who the hell knows what we actually call it, all right? Something else is coming out of my mouth every single episode, I swear. Make sure you check that out so you can find her and find what she does and learn even more. This episode is not about mom shaming or giving negative feedback to those who choose to sleep train their babies, which is what Rachel kind of goes against the grain with, if we want to call it right. She, she's very educated and she loves to share a different option. And I guess that is really the umbrella term of this week's episode is giving you parents, new moms, moms to be options, choices, and giving yourself more education than what is always out there. I'm very excited to get into Rachel's story because as you kind of hear how she fell into this beautiful and amazing company that she's created and so many moms that she's reached, you'll understand what she was going through very much like you and I might have already gone through. So without further ado, let's get into the episode. Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to this. Make sure that you check out my latest YouTube video. As always, I will put everything in the show notes and let's get into it. Rachel, I, like I said, I'm honored brunch with Desby. We talk every week about really anything, but since cool. we've, I've shifted into motherhood, um, a lot of talks end up coming full circle to like, how am I doing? How is my community doing? How are my fellow moms doing? Love so it. I'm excited to chat with you today. Um, obviously you're a certified sleep specialist. You mm-hmm. specialize also in breastfeeding. You're a mom of three. Um, and you actually had a career before this. So mm-hmm. elevator speech, 30 seconds, we meet. How would you introduce yourself to someone who's never heard of you before? Yeah. So I, like you said, I'm a sleep specialist. So I work with families, um, mostly on social media now, not as much one-to-one, but, um, just how to, I teach people how to optimize their little one's sleep without formal sleep training methods. So I, my passion really is just to teach moms that they're already doing an amazing job and that their baby is probably doing exactly what they are meant to do. And, um, I just really love teaching people about normal infant sleep using evidence and research and at the same time, encouraging people to just follow their intuition and follow what feels right to their family. Yeah. I, I love that. And on your website, even it says something along the lines, which I love your website, by the way, super easy to read. 
um, very, I, I love the branding, but it says something about like teaching you how to just better listen to your intuition or yeah. um, however I'm paraphrasing that. But again, such yeah. a powerful message for a lot of moms. So we're going to dive into all this like sleep training thing. And I hopefully ears are perking up of kind of like not sleep training. Like what the heck does that mean? Right. So in short, um, again, as on your website, helping parents ditch the stress and pressure surrounding sleep, they can find solutions without compromising their parenting style. You have courses, you have guides, you have a team as well as yourself, um, doing, um, consults and one-on-one. So immediate icebreaker before we dive into conversation, if you could use a movie title to describe the effect sleeping had on your introduction to motherhood, (laughs) what would you call it? And I know this, take a second if you have to, a movie title, you just came into motherhood and sleep. We're just thinking sleep in the start. Oh my gosh. Probably something like doomsday, like, um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like the day after tomorrow or like something really, something really intense and scary. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Like uh, new mom goes insane. Um, yeah, my introduction to motherhood and sleep and all of this stuff, I was just so completely un- unprepared. I just had no idea what I was in for, even though I have a master's in education. I've taken tons of like different child psychology courses and I babysat my entire life. And like, I'm an old, oldest child. Like I have been around babies my entire life and still like my world was completely rocked. So, um, yeah, I think probably a lot of new moms feel that way, right? Like we take birth, we take birth classes, maybe we take a breastfeeding class, but a lot of people are just totally like thrown for a loop with the sleep thing. Absolutely. So you, you mentioned a little bit, you know, Hey, I've, I've worked with kids. I, you know, went to school for education. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about that inter- you know, yeah. introduction to your past. And then that 3am feeding that kind of had you just <laughs> change the trajectory of your life. Yeah. Let's truly. talk about it. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. So I was a teacher. Um, like I said, I've always loved kids when I was little, I thought I would be a pediatrician because I just loved babies and kids so much. Then I found out that pediatricians had to do things like, you know, go to medical school. And (laughs) I was not so into that. So I decided to become a teacher. And when I moved out to California, I found a great public school, um, up in Marin County and worked there as a, they called it an education specialist, but really what I was mostly doing was, uh, creating plans and managing a team and working directly with families and children who have special needs, um, and disabilities. So I did that for, uh, nine years. And when I was pregnant with my daughter, who's my middle child. So she's my second, I, um, was kind of just, you know, Googling and, and looking on Instagram for sleep stuff. Cause I was starting to panic a little bit. I had such a hard time with sleep with my first baby. We tried sleep training a bunch of different times with some really popular courses and it was just absolutely horrible and traumatic and like really just did not work for us. I know it works great for some people, but I don't think you hear the stories of people it doesn't work for as often. So anyway, I just knew that I didn't want to do that again, but I also was like, oh my God, I'm not going to be able to be sleep deprived now that I have a toddler, like, how am I going to do this? I need something different. And there was not a lot out there. <laughs> um, but I did find, um, an Instagram account called Isla Grace and it's, uh, she's still around and providing content, but she has her own sleep certification program. Her name is Lauren Heffernan. Um, and she has a sleep certification program called the baby led sleep certification. And, um, she has classes for parents and stuff too. But the more I looked at everything, the more I was like, oh, like 
actually, maybe I just want to get certified, like screw the parenting class. Maybe I just actually want to do this as like a little side hustle. I could get certified, take some clients, and it would be a great way to make some extra money. Like I was a teacher, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So wasn't going to turn down extra money. So I just decided to enroll. This was like 3 a.m. And woke up and told my husband and he was just like, all right. And yeah, that's kind of where it all started. And then I started the certification course in March of 2020. Um, Perfect which, timing. Yeah, which is everybody knows. Really like dive a, into learning. Great time to be alive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was, you know, it was a real struggle for so many different reasons. And, you know, everybody can imagine because we were all going through it at that time. But yeah, it just kind of, you know, took on this life of its own. And I think because it was the height of the pandemic, so many new moms were looking for community. And mm-hmm. I think my page really served as a community for a lot of people. So it really just took off and grew so much more than I could have ever imagined. And when it was time to, you know, start the new school year, I had to tell my team who I absolutely loved. I loved the teachers and and my admin team at school, but um, I told them like, Hey, I think I'm going to pursue this and stay home with my kids. Um, I don't, yeah. really wanna, I don't really want to do distance learning. I don't really want to put them in daycare right now. So I was lucky enough to have that option. And so I kind of just dove in and yeah, it's worked out. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And again, I I had my son in September, so I found out I was pregnant in February and that's when I kind of started searching for community, which then again, led me to your page as well as like others, you know, here I am just preparing, preparing for baby. And then, like you said, it's that same thing, which I just laugh. It's like, everyone knows the 3 a.m. Like, why yes. is it 3 a.m.? <laughs> always. It's, ne- it's never anything else. I swear. It's always 3 a.m. But anyways, yeah. I, I understand the the Amazon searches, the Google searches, yes. the online shopping, like whatever you I know. need to do to get through I swear. It's like always my joke. Like, I swear sleep trainers make most of their money in the middle of the night because people uh, are know, just up like desperately what purchasing I, whatever. Sign up, sign up, <laughs> yeah, get me on yeah. the email list, whatever you have. Exactly. Um, that, that'd be a, a great, you know, marketing scheme, like see you at 3am. Like, right. Then. I love I that. Um, <laughs> but when it comes to leaving your secure job at this time, right. I mean, obviously yeah. COVID changed the way that teachers operate at that moment, but yes. leaving this nine years of educational training to yeah. pursue this also being, you know, first time mom, second time mom. Yeah. What, what did that look like in terms of like taking that leap, like, did you feel super confident? It's just kind of an entrepreneurial no. side chat, but did you, <laughs> no. did you really just kind of go for it with minimal I mean, understanding of how to run a business? I mean, my husband thinks I'm crazy, but the proof is kind of in the pudding at this point where I have just always had, and it's a very privileged mindset to have. And I realized that, um, but I've just always had the mindset that like things are going to work out and the money will come. And, you know, this is, this is just what I wanted to do. And I kind of did a lot of like reflecting and journaling and manifesting what I wanted. And it just happened to work out for me. And that's not to say that I didn't also put in like a ton of work. Like I really killed myself in the first couple of years of starting this business. And I was really burnt out at a, at a certain point. So, you know, that's not necessarily healthy either, but no, I was not 100% confident, but I also saw the potential. Like I saw such an engaged community. By the time I quit, I only had like a little over a thousand followers. Like I did not have a huge platform at all. Um, Yeah. So it was really, it was really a little bit nuts. Um, but I, you know, kind of financially broke down like what I could afford to do, um, and what I could afford to charge. I wanted to keep my resources really affordable for people as much as I could. 
but you know, I was a teacher, so it's not like I was walking away from like a Google job or something. (laughs) This is fair. And I think it's important to remember like jobs are always going to be there. If you right. Ever, well, and especially you, you teaching, you wanted to, you especially need, teaching teacher. there's such, yeah, there's such a teacher shortage. I knew that I had such great relationships with everybody that I had worked with that if I crashed and burned and fell on my face that I'd be able to go back. And, you know, I had the support of my husband and yeah, we were just, we happened to be like in an okay spot. Like we were, you know, by no means rolling in dough or anything. Like it was definitely a risk, but you know, I did see that this engaged all those small community that I had was really, really hungry for these resources. And I knew that if I was just able to put my whole self into it, that, um, it would work out. I just, I guess I just knew deep down that it would work out eventually. So luckily it happened quicker than I, than I anticipated (laughs) gut intuition. I mean, you know, a lot of people say it too. You would rather be doing what you're passionate about and and just make, making it by, right. You you could make that same salary as a teacher, but do what you love and right. probably be more fulfilled in a different way. Right. You love totally. teaching, you love kids, different, yes. different teachings, but it is very different. And you know, when I had kids, like they kind of did become my passion and the ability to be home with them while building this business was just, you know, it was like an opportunity that I couldn't pass up. I was like, I'm never going to get these years back. Mm -hmm. Um, with them being little. And if I decide that I want to go back to the workforce someday and work outside the home, I can do that. But um, for that moment in time, especially because it was the pandemic, like having that option, I was just, I was really lucky and I'm really grateful that I got to do that. Absolutely. Well, we're grateful to have you because I had a few people, um, even just put in the question box, like literally no questions because she does it all, but just let her know she saved my sanity, she saved me, et cetera. So just know I know how it can be some days where you start to like doubt yourself, even if you're like doing so well. Oh yeah. Um, You're on social media. You get it. Like you're never going to please everybody. Never. And I'm (laughs) sure those things are nice to hear. Absolutely. And I'm sure the stance that you take and the the passion that you have for what you do can cause a lot of uprise. You know, a post goes viral, a post goes viral. You have, uh, you know, the sharks, you have the people who needed it. You have it, whatever. And it can really kind of just throw off like your mind for a little yeah, bit. And, like, what it's you're such doing. a polarized topic. Like it's mm-hmm. maybe one of the most polarizing topics in parenting. Um, you know, I know that there's a lot of discussion around breastfeeding versus bottle feeding or baby led weaning mm-hmm. versus purees or like daycare versus stay at home moms. Like I know that there's a lot of, you know, it's terrible because it makes it feel like we should pick sides as moms when really like we should all be on the same team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but sleep is one of those things that just really hits a nerve with people. And so, yeah, like you said, it sometimes when I'm about to hit post, I have like a little panic attack inside. Cause I'm like, Oh God, I I'm hope sure. this <laughs> goes sure. over well. <laughs> I'm, please reach the right side of the algorithm. Thank yes, you so much. <laughs> exactly. So when it comes to sleeping in each child, so you mentioned you had an issue with your first, which then leads you to your second. And you Mm -hmm. almost have this like PTSD of like, Mm -hmm. holy crap, I was up all night, blah, 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 blah. So how did each child now, and now you have Lenny, how have they differed, but your techniques stay the same? And again, we're going to get into like what you do, but in general, in your mothering journey, you've seen three different babies and they're all different. So mm-hmm. what techniques, you know, off, off the cusp has, have you implemented and continued to keep the same? Yeah. One of the things that we've kept the same, like since my son was born five years ago is just a super, super consistent bedtime routine. And, um, 
and early bedtime. So what that looks like for each kid has been different. Like my son has always done really great with an early bedtime. My daughter, when she was still napping, would be able to stay up to like 8.30, which to a lot of people is very late for a little kid. Now that she's dropped her nap, she's back down to like a 6.45, 7 bedtime, um, which really works well for us because then we get you know some time in the evenings to ourselves and it's just great. So the fact that they have naturally kind of fallen into that is wonderful for us. <laughs> not, not every family is blessed with a child that has that circadian rhythm, but um, the bedtime routine really, really, really helps. And I know that it's like, sounds so simple, um, but it's something that's just like really easy to implement from the beginning. It doesn't have to be anything complicated. Like you don't even have to do a bath every night, but if you do do the same few things in the same order every night, like your bedtime battles are going to be so much less because they just know exactly what to expect. Um, and it kind of just cues their brain that sleep is coming. So that's, I would say the thing that we've done exactly the same with all of our kids. And now it's just like folding right into that bedtime routine, which is really sweet. Yeah. Well, and do you notice that the, so like right now you only have your two, which would be oldest, right? Have you noticed that like the second learned a lot from the first, like, is that a real thing? Cause mine are totally to like really, yeah, totally. Um, like she, Noe would kind of just like join us for whatever we were doing with Otto. And now she is, you know, she's involved too. And then Lenny, she's only three months, but she's part of the bedtime routine with us. And now she is actually naturally falling asleep at the kids' bedtime as well. So she is now falling asleep at seven um, for the night. And I didn't have to do anything. She's just kind of like naturally fallen into that. So love to um, see it, Lenny. Yeah. So, I mean, <laughs> it's not like she's sleeping through the night or anything. Like she's definitely getting up, but the fact that she is kind of like going through our routine with us and knows it's time for bed and falls asleep at the same time as them, um, is really cool. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I love that. And before we get into like some questions and some things that I think a lot of moms could benefit from to hear, I do just want to plug, you have so many free resources, like even on your Thank website, you. when I went to freebies, I was like, why is there more free stuff than paid stuff? But in I the know. best way, you have so, you have so much great information. Thank um, you. Before we kind of dive into the rest of this episode and really talk about, I don't want to call it anti-sleep training. I want to call it like grow mom choice. What's what's right, best for right. you? Oh my family. god, I love that. Absolutely. I love that. But I do just want to plug that you do have a freebie that is kind of um, I forgot what it's called, but it's about sleep training and kind of the research behind it. Yeah. Can you can you say what that's called again? Yeah, exactly. It's called the sleep training research guide. Um, I find that a lot of parents are really just looking for like facts to be broken Mm -hmm. down. And I know a lot of sleep trainers like to use research to back up, um, sleep training, which is fine. But I think that when it starts to get a little bit disingenuous is when what they're saying is in the studies, is not actually there, or it's being kind of manipulated because I've had a lot of, um, parents come to me and say like, oh, my husband said that, you know, research says cry it out is totally fine or that, you know, whatever, whatever it is. And so I would say, okay, well like send me the study that they're talking about. And then I would look (laughs) at it and I, you know, so, um, (laughs) yeah. So I just kind of wanted to make it a little bit, um, clearer and more accessible to people who are looking at researcher research that, um, you know, different places or organizations are putting out. And I wanted to show people like what it's actually saying. Um, Perfect. Yeah. So that is there um, under freebies. And then, yeah, I have a bunch of different guides and um, free resources that you can download as like little eBooks. But then I also have a blog that has 
like pretty much any topic you could be looking for um, that is a little bit longer form than what I can put out on Instagram. So that's there too. Perfect. Awesome. Well, yeah, I did just want to put that up because if anyone is kind of even a new mom pregnant right now, or maybe you just have a a friend or a sibling or a family member that's struggling with their children's sleep, here's some great resources as well as kind of educating yourself before we dive into this idea of baby led sleeping versus sleep training. You can kind of get get an idea of like the research that you pulled to understand why you're so passionate about this different take on sleep methods, which I think is amazing. Thank you. So some of these questions kind of are going to go in conversational flow. Some of them I will have uh, submitted from actual followers and people who follow you as well. Right. But I kind of want to start in the beginning of the day. So we'll kind of talk naps. Then we'll go into like the sunset scaries, as I like to call it. (laughs) Oh my God. Talk a little bit about, (laughs) talk a little bit about anxiety during sleep and then uh, breast feeding, weaning in the night, stuff like that. It kind of just Mm -hmm. a nice conversational flow, but we're starting in the mid afternoon or maybe early morning for most moms when baby or toddler might start having that first nap. So the first thing that is really, that people are really struggling with is struggling to nap without contact. So for your, you know, best advice for those moms who are trying to get their baby, maybe safely in a a space for sleep or Mm -hmm. allowing the contact nap, whatever Mm -hmm. that mindset needs to be, what are some tips that you would have for people who are struggling with not being able to get anything done during nap time. Yeah. So first of all, I do just want to acknowledge that this is such a normal and common problem. And really it's only a problem because we live in modern society and we have a bunch of stuff to do. Otherwise it's not a problem. It's how our babies are designed to sleep in close contact with us. So if you have a baby, that's like, I call them barnacle babies. If you have one of these, it does not mean there's anything wrong with your baby. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. Like this is very, very common and normal for them to want to sleep on you. 24 seven. So I just want to get that out of the way. If you have the ability, capacity, desire to contact nap, great, do it. There is absolutely nothing wrong with it. It's not a bad habit. You absolutely cannot spoil your baby with too much contact or affection. It's so good for them. It's so good for their brain, for their body. It's good for you. It releases oxytocin, helps with your mood. Um, so personally I do like only contact naps when I have newborns. Um, And I know that that can be really hard when you have other kids. So if you have older kids and you need to be able to chase them around and get stuff done, I really recommend investing in a great baby carrier. I wore my kids, my two youngest for almost every single nap until they were too heavy, which for my (laughs) kids doesn't take long. They're huge kids. Um, So usually around like four or five months is when I start to practice naps in the bassinet or the crib. If you have to do it earlier, that's absolutely fine. It's um, really just your preference. So I would recommend a baby carrier for sure. And then when you do want to start, you know, kind of getting some more independent crib sleep, I do have a crib guide. And I say on there that it's um, geared towards babies six months and up. And that's really just because of the safe sleep guidelines that babies should be in proximity to caregivers for all sleep until six months. A lot of people don't realize that. but you know, it's just kind of a protective factor. So not saying you have to do it, but just for like the utmost in safety, that's what I put on there, but lots of people use it earlier than six months and that's totally fine. Um, so in there, I talk a lot about how to layer sleep associations, how to use a routine and how to set your baby up for crib sleep. 
And really the mindset I find is everything. So I think a lot of people wait to practice this until they're like desperate for it. Like, oh my gosh, I'm going back to work in two weeks. We have to figure out the crib or I can't do this anymore. I'm so touched out. I'm so sick of this. We need to get crib naps. So they're going into it from that really like desperate mindset. And so when they try it and when their baby is just being a baby and doesn't love it right away, it can cause what I call nap rage. And this is when the nap is not going well, the transfer is not going well, and we just lose our freaking minds. And I've been there so many times, you guys, like I'm not judging at all. Um, (laughs) It still happens to me sometimes if a nap isn't happening exactly the way I need it to. But if we can go into it with a mindset of like, okay, this might not work. I'm going to practice this today. I'm going to try this today. And if it only lasts a couple of minutes, then I'm going to call it a win. They lasted a couple of minutes in the crib. We'll try again later. We'll try again tomorrow. And honestly, it really is like a slow and steady. Like my daughter, she was my barnacle baby, my middle child. And I had a toddler. I was trying to do this certification when she was born. So I did not have the time to rock her to sleep, nurse her to sleep and put her in the crib four times a day when she was a newborn. Mm -hmm. I just didn't have the time. And so I wore her and contact napped with her for every single nap until she was five months. She ended up taking naps in the crib. Um, once I was, you know, consistent with practice and she did it for, you know, two years until she stopped napping and she currently sleeps in her own bed in her own room, 12 hours a night. So it definitely can happen. You are not setting yourself up for failure if, um, you want to contact nap during the newborn period, it's absolutely fine. And then, you know, the other thing to consider is things like timing. Like, are we using age appropriate wake time? Um, Things like that can also just like really set you up for success. So I talk a lot about this in my um, highlights on Instagram and on my page, and there's so much free info on there and tips for, you know, if the transfer is not going well and things like that. And then if you really want like more help or a step-by-step, I have the crib guide. Um, Perfect. Yeah. So when it comes to, you're kind of just talking about like age appropriate wait times. Is there a breakdown of wake windows? Is, is this a huge myth? Is this something to, <laughs> you know, you die on the hill of the wake window. My kid's been no. you know, awake three hours. Oh my gosh, we get it. Got to get him down. What would you say again? We're thinking like maybe a first time mom who's just stressed yeah. out. I need it's 10 o'clock. My baby needs his first nap. What right. would you say? Cause I was there and you yes. might've even been there too with your first and it is yes. just Yes. So most people don't even know wake windows are a thing before they are moms. And I think a lot of people that end up buying sleep training programs think, oh my gosh, this is so great because it's the first time that they're hearing about wake windows and Mm -hmm. using wake windows can be such a game changer. Like if you are a new mom and you just don't know that babies need to sleep a lot during the day, most of the time, not all. And you hear that, you know, you're really only going to want to keep them up for about an hour in the newborn stage. And you're like, oh my gosh, like this is mind blowing because I was letting them stay up for three hours. Um, You're going to automatically have a much happier baby. So I think a lot of people find a lot of success with them, especially if they're brand new parents that don't really have their baby's rhythms down yet. 
That being said, wake windows are not actually evidence-based. So there's no like study or research or paper or large medical organization that says babies can only stay awake for this amount of time. There is nothing like that. It does not exist. So when we see wake windows, when we Google them, when we Pinterest them, whatever, even inside my own course, they're really just averages. They're averages based on like anecdotal data that we get from just knowing a lot of babies um, and knowing what the averages are and knowing we do have good research on how much the average baby sleeps per day and how much sleep is healthy for a certain age group per day. So it's kind of just like doing the math, like, okay, well, if they need that many hours of sleep, then they're really only going to be able to be awake for this long in between. Right. So it's just kind of simple math up to 24 hours. So that's where they come from. I am very practical about wake windows. I use them as a very light guide. Um, in addition to sleepy cues and other things, but they're not a hill that I would die on at all. Okay. I, you know, that's so funny. Cause again, I go back, you always learn, you, you learn with your first and your second. I'm sure parents that have like, like the Duggars, man, I bet their kids just teach themselves. Like, because at that point they don't need to do anything. They don't, they're not doing anything. That's insane. (laughs) Uh, But you just learn so much after each child. And I know with my first um, I was super stressed with the Huckleberry app and this is no oh, slam God, to the yeah. app. There's great things that you can do, but I had a premature baby. Oh, and yeah. so I was, I was tracking every single thing to make sure that he was, you know, I would go to the pediatrician. This is so crazy, Rachel. I would go to the pediatrician with my Excel sheets. Like I would export the data <laughs> and I would give it to the peds doctor to let them know, like, here's how many mixed diapers he had. Here's the poop, oh, just God. the pee. Here's and were the, they the like, boy. okay, cool. Thanks. The, 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 <laughs> oh my gosh. They were literally just like, I've never seen anyone do this. I'm like, if you want to see postpartum anxiety, this is, this me. is it. This, this is, is the poster exactly. child. Ooh, I know. You know but what, though? I, but, that is such a, that's such an important point that you brought up though, that like obsessing over this stuff is a really common sign of postpartum anxiety. And a lot of people don't realize that. And it, yeah, it's not, it's not, I think you even made a TikTok about it, to be honest. It was like, yeah, it's trending sound. And you're like, Oh, it was like, I think it was nice when it's like talking about when you finally, when you figure out tracking, everything is actually not like, is a sign of postpartum anxiety. Like welcome. Yeah. yeah Cause that uh, was me too. That was me too. Yeah. Like I was obsessed with, I wasn't so much obsessed with the tracking. I was just obsessed with like how many times he was waking, yep. Googling everything, researching everything. I did nothing during my maternity leave except read freaking sleep books which was just such a waste of time. Like I was just obsessed. I thought there was this mm-hmm. magical formula that, that I must be missing. And yeah, yeah it was just anxiety. Yep. It's, but especially with social media, you see all of these, yeah. you, we, we share our lives and I think it's beautiful, but you can get sucked in real fast, especially as a new mom, seeing someone post. And I'm sure even I did it unintentionally, right? Like yeah. it's never out of being thinking, uh, negatively of like what this could do to another mom, but you're like, right. Oh, like baby got a 12 hour stretch last night. You're celebrating. You're celebrating, but for new mom. And again, it's all based off how we digest it. Right. It's it's very much us, how we take that information, but it can be super triggering. Cause then again, you look down at your app, you're like, when did, did I mess up the nap? Did I, you know, whatever it may be. And so it was such like a stressful time for me. And it Mm -hmm. led to what I, what I call, and I'm sure it's been branded somewhere. It's not new sunset scaries. Like yes. the sun would start to go to, I would, I turned oh, I would into panic. like Fiona. It's yep. like Shrek. I yep. all, this ogre came out. I was stressed. I felt ugly. I felt 
overwhelmed. I, I couldn't even be touched. I could barely be looked at because I was scared of the night I was about to have yep, being exactly. touched all night, nursing, etc. So yep. when it comes to sunset scaries, maybe let's chat a little bit about routine for new moms or moms and multiple. We kind of already touched on it when you talked about what you kept consistent for your children. Um, yeah. but what would you say for someone like starting into better sleep you know, maybe your freebie guide, a few things you can touch on in that or yeah. the bedtime guide plug, just kind of what does that look, look like, or what could that look like for a new mom? Yeah. So I do have a freebie. It's one of my favorites. That's called eight ways to get better sleep without sleep training. And it does talk about things that you can do with your baby during the day, no pressure, like nothing like following a strict schedule or tracking or anything like that. Just like things that you can do throughout your day that will encourage better sleep. But there's also a section on how to get the best sleep for you because we can do all these things. We can do everything quote unquote, right. And we still might have a baby that's wakeful. And that does not necessarily mean there's anything we're doing wrong. So what can we do? What can we control when we can't control our baby is our own sleep and our own sleep hygiene. So things like getting ready for bed early so that you can get, you know, your best stretch of sleep, maybe at the beginning of the night when your baby does their best stretch of sleep. And a lot of parents don't want to do that. They're like, I don't want to go to bed at eight o'clock. Like I want to (laughs) to myself. And it's like, I get it. Like, I totally understand that. But when you remember that this is just like a very short season, maybe it's only a few weeks or a couple of months where your baby is going through this, going to bed early, if that's going to make you feel the best in the morning, then just do it. You have, you know, years and years and years ahead of you to binge Netflix. Um, the other thing that I really like to do is to create like a little self-care ritual for yourself at night, because I did suffer from Sundays, not Sunday scaries. That was the same college. thing. I mean, <laughs> that was in college. Um, sunset scaries. I love that. I definitely suffered from that as well. Um, and so one thing that I've done with my other kids since my first that has helped a lot is to have like a little self-care basket next to my bed. So while I'm cluster feeding, while I'm nursing, like while I'm up in the night, I can grab something, whether it's like a snack or something to drink, something warm to drink, like a cup of hot tea and a thermos next to my bed that I can sip on throughout the night. Um, I keep tons of like skincare, fun skincare, like little masks and eye patches and things like that, that I can do at night. I have like my gua sha tool and like all of that stuff. Um, and it just makes me feel like I'm doing like a little pampering before the night. And that has really helped me a lot too. Um, and listening to something. So I, (laughs) this is kind of embarrassing, but with my, with my second baby, I downloaded Jessica Simpson's autobiography don't know why I like saw somebody recommend it. And I thought, Oh, okay. Like I'll listen to that audiobook. This book, you guys like made me look forward to night wakings. Like my daughter would wake up and I'd be like, Oh yes, I get to listen to more of the book. And she would fall asleep. I'd put her down and I would stay up and continue to listen to it. Like I couldn't stop. And I'm not saying that everybody needs to go out and buy Jessica Simpson's book. I I know my God. I do recommend it. It it actually is really good. It's really juicy. Um, but whatever that is for you, maybe it's like listening to a comedy show. Maybe it's listening to your favorite album from when you were in college or, you know, from when you were single, like whatever is going to lift your mood and make you feel happy at night when you are feeding your baby, like trust me, it makes it so much more enjoyable and so much easier to be woken up. Um, and I really do recommend doing something like that rather than scrolling, Mm -hmm. um, because that blue light and, and just the nature of what we take in from social media, um, can really like activate us and make it hard to go back to sleep. So then, you know, you're stuck in this cycle of like really just not getting good quality sleep at night. So, right. Yeah. 
those are my top things. Wait, for moms I, to get through those I, I literally would have never thought about like an audiobook, And now I'm almost like mad. Cause I'm like, I've wasted all this time. I've, oh, I I've know. missed out on so many books. I'm I sorry. know. <laughs> I know. I thought the my, same thing when I first, first started doing Amazon. it, I was like, yes, I know. That was my, that was my vice with my first, I would just be on Amazon all night or like on these sleep trainer blogs all night, just get so much anxiety buy so much crap. I didn't need. Yep. And then once I started doing the audiobook with my second, I was like, Oh my gosh, why didn't I always do this? This is so nice. It was just like quiet time. I don't know. There was just something about it that was really nice. And like, I started to not dread those night wakings anymore. Um, no, I, I love, wow. Oh, yeah. I hope everyone takes that piece of advice because you can find even free books. Like it's, oh, for you know, sure. like, or a podcast, it could be like a funny podcast, podcast or like also that. whatever, whatever you're into. Um, but yeah, just finding something to listen to, I think is so much nicer than scrolling, especially if you're like scrolling that. social media, like where, you know, you never know what you're going to get. You could get something that's really upsetting. You could get something mm-hmm. that's really triggering. So I don't know. I just like, I would rather be in control of what I'm listening to and what I'm taking in. Truly. I love that. So yeah. now venturing a little bit in, into then sleep, we're kind of talking about the night feeding. So we're getting into like this bedtime kids are asleep. Yeah. They wake up. I know for me, my first one, and even, even this one a little bit, when they would wake up, you get this intense, I mean, for me, it was like tightening in my chest. Yeah. Stress, it's like fight or flight. How, oh my gosh. It's terrible. On mm-hmm. top of it being in those hours of the night where your mind typically, you know, you're just kind of like lucid, right? It does, yeah. You don't feel like even yourself during that time. And I know there's a lot of periods for me where it'll be the middle of the night feedings when I'm so touched out from like the whole day that mm-hmm. even just the slightest grip is almost like makes you just cringe. Right. Yeah. So when we're getting into like this idea of just like peacefulness, a better sleep routine to where, you know, they're not waking all the time or even just approaching with that baby led sense. What are some things that you can say have maybe helped you with this similar feeling as a breastfeeding mom yourself? Yeah. So one thing that really helped me when I started to get to that period and my baby was old enough, she was not a baby. She was a toddler. Um, I started the journey of night weaning when she was about 20 months. Cause I was like, I am so done. I can't do this anymore. I can't have her on me all night anymore. She was co-sleeping with us at the time too. So it was just like, I am over this. Um, and she's 20 months old now. She doesn't like need the night feedings technically anymore. So I brought my husband on board and said, look like, sorry, dude, but you're going to be responding to her every single time she wakes up, um, to see if we can kind of curb this habit. And that took a while. If you want to, um, see the entire journey from start to finish with that, I have a night weaning highlight on my Instagram that kind of goes into detail about how we did this. It did end up working and she did end up actually sleeping through the night as a result in her own room. So it worked really well for us. Um, but as a general tip, I would say if you are feeling touched out, really resentful, having a really hard time with the night wakings, it's you know, it's hard. It's, it's definitely like a fight or flight situation. There's no doubt about that, but it also does point to something happening during the day, like where we're doing too much during the day and where can we get some support during the day so that by the time nighttime comes, we're not totally depleted and completely done. Um, so, you know, that for me personally looked like getting my husband a lot more involved, um, with care during the day as well. So taking the kids out, you know, for a few hours on the weekend. So I could have a break to myself or he started to do like a Thursday night dinner with his parents. We're lucky enough to have uh, my in-laws live in the city with us. So he would like take the kids out for dinner with them every Thursday. So I'd have a couple hours to just kind of chill by myself. Um, 
and yeah, so I'm fortunate in that way that I have a, a partner that was available and willing to do that. But that really, really can help when you have, I think a lot of moms too are like scared to get their partners involved. Cause they're like, Oh, it's easier if I just do it. It's faster. Mm-hmm. If I just do it, and I'll do it right. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'm the only one who knows how to do it. Right. I'll do it right. Quote, You're just going to yep. mess it up. Or like, or the baby is really attached to mom and the baby will flip out if, if dad or the other partner tries to get involved. And so, um, part of it is, you know, setting some boundaries too about like, sorry, baby, like you might not like this as much, but I really need a break. And like your other parent is fully capable of stepping in here and helping. So absolutely. um, Well, and when you have, when you are able to be a better person for you, you get to be a better mom for your kids. Exactly. So I think I've really put that together this experience, like with my second, it was just like, wow, I really screwed myself. My first time around. Like it was just, Don't we it could have been, do, I, no, for real though. The first like, is always the guinea pig. It's so sad. Fir- I know. And like, and then you <laughs> wonder why this, they're, so. yeah. And you wonder why birth matters. It's like, this is why totally. like, you get it. It really does totally. make a difference. Um, yep. So it was, it was really difficult. Now for my first, I'll say, I mean, again, I'm speaking on personal experience, but also what a lot of other people, I, I bring on a lot of NICU moms. So we're both mm-hmm. like kind of in that same boat of experience with our first. Mm-hmm. So with my first, I was very strategic on what we would condone like safe sleep, right? No yeah. co-sleeping, you know, yeah. baby immediately back in the crib and no wonder I was so damn tired, right? There's a lot yeah. going on. Now yeah. with my second, I've adapted more naturally to doing more co-sleeping. I nurse mm-hmm. through the night, you know, it just, it kind of works. Um, and it's just worked for me. And again, that's not to like mom shame anyone, you know, yourself, your baby, we also know safe sleep. There's no doubt about that, but right. can we talk a little bit about kind of that, that what seems to be a correlation of breastfed babies not sleeping through the night, having to co-sleep. Is there actually evidence behind like breastfeeding babies, just not like wanting to sleep because they literally just want the boob. Is there anything behind that at all? So there is some like conflicting research out there. Most of it that's more recent actually points to the fact that breastfed babies and bottle fed babies don't sleep differently in terms of, um, the amount of sleep that they get. So it's not like bottle fed babies are getting much more sleep or necessarily waking, um, a lot less or sleeping through the night earlier. There's not a ton that tells us that any of that is true. Um, but what we do know is that breastfeeding dyads, so dyad meaning mom and baby tend to spend a little bit more time in lighter sleep. Um, especially if they're co-sleeping. So especially if they're, if your breastfed baby is sleeping in bed with you, it is a protective factor that they're going to be in lighter sleep and more able to rouse. Um, same goes for mom. It's more protective. It's safer if mom is in a lighter stage of sleep and can easily rouse if, you know, she needs to. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, so there is definitely something to that. And part of that is why sometimes people will say, Oh, once we moved my baby out of their, out of our room, they slept so much better. Or once we stopped nursing, they slept so much better. Um, and you know, there is a little bit of research to support that as well, but as far as like safe sleep guidelines, it's still recommended that baby is in your room for at least six months and that you breastfeed if you can. Um, cause those things are protective for baby, but yeah, I mean, every parent has to kind of find their own way. And I talk about safe bed sharing, I don't talk about it as much anymore, actually. And I like refuse to talk about it on TikTok because it's just such a charged topic. Um, Mm -hmm. And rightfully so, like people should definitely be concerned if it's happening unsafely, um, but it's not going to continue to get better or safer if people just are ashamed about it and don't Mm -hmm. do it safely. So, you know, there's some really, really tragic stories about 
accidents that happen that could have been totally preventable if um, the mom was practicing safe sleep, whether that's safe sleep in a crib or just safer co-sleeping, right? So Mm -hmm. those things are really, really tragic. And I do like to educate people on all of their options, um, whether that means how to set up a crib safely, a floor bed safely, or how to co-sleep as safely as possible. It's natural to a lot of breastfeeding moms to just need their babies to be close or to fall asleep while breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that it's so much safer to, to sleep with your baby in a bed that is set up correctly rather than falling asleep with them on the sofa or on a chair. Like so many more accidents happen that way. Um, so yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of charge in that. And I can see why, like you said, these tragic stories that we hear. And so, or, or moms that have experienced that tragedy, right. I can understand the passion of course from a place like that. But like you said, just because there, this goes with any law of life, right. Law in America, just because Mm -hmm. we have a law in place doesn't mean it's not going to continue to be broken. Same idea with co-sleeping or any form of just different sleep method. Um, Mm -hmm. that also is more cultural. And I remember a post you had about this a couple months ago, and I have to link it in the, in the show notes. I thought it was such a beautiful post. You actually asked people based off of their culture, what, what was normal for you? What is this weird in in America? Like what we kind of practice over here, what our guidelines are. And there was just really cool forum and discussion of just how cultural our idea of sleep is. Absolutely. I think we are very self-centered in in America. And we think that like (laughs) our way is the only way and our way must be the best way. Um, and when you kind of zoom out and look at it from a global lens, like we are actually the weird ones. Like most cultures are not putting their babies in a crib in their own room this young. Like Mm -hmm. most people are co-sleeping, sleeping multiple people to a bedroom. Like we, you know, need to kind of, like you said, keep in mind that it is very cultural, Um, And of course we want to be as safe as possible because we do have modern medicine and we have, you know, modern research and all of that stuff is, is great too. Um, But, you know, there's a reason that so many parents struggle with their little one's sleep. It's because Mm -hmm. babies are not designed to sleep apart from us and they really don't like to sleep apart from us. And that's why we have all of these, you know, quote unquote, baby sleep problems Um, because most of it involves, you know, we're trying to separate the baby and they don't want to be separated. (laughs) They don't want to sleep in their crib. Absolutely. Um, They're like, um, I want, I was in your belly for nine, almost 10 months, girl. Like I don't want to be exactly, (laughs) exactly, exactly. And so, you know, my, this industry, this business would not exist if, um, if all babies were just meant to sleep in cribs all night long, um, and just did it without protest. So we have to give parents options because some babies just will not sleep in a crib or in a bassinet. They just will not, Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, a lot of people don't really prepare you for that or talk about that. So, yeah, well, and we, we, I don't think a lot of society as well, or people who are so quick to judge really remembers and realizes how sleep deprivation can also affect the mind and the brain. Of course, and yeah. This is, this is outside of parenting. This is about you. Yeah. And if you're not present and if you're not doing well, your kids aren't going to do well, right? Like you have to take care of you. And if for someone that involves them co-sleeping safely so that they can get sleep so they can operate to be a parent of multiples or of one, whatever it may be, or go to Mm -hmm. work the next day. Like, Mm -hmm. what do you expect? We, it's just, it's hard. Yeah. It's a a hard subject. And it's one of those things that is, again, it's such a, I probably bet if you Googled, you know, most question asked of parenting, it's probably like, how do I get my kid to sleep? Because that's what we struggle with. And that's the, the biggest adjustment I would argue 
of motherhood is absolutely sleep and energy change that occurs. Yep. For sure. I agree. Awesome. Well, last question about this, and then we're going to kind of get into the end of this episode and just kind of giving, you know, the people some really great resources for 10 times more information. I mean, there's, you you could literally talk about like everything for like four hours. That's not going to (laughs) happen, but you've given, you've given so many hours of free resources that people can find on your page and just get lost in the sauce. So that's great. Um, but when it comes to breastfeeding at night, um, the Mm -hmm. biggest question I got from a lot of followers were, is it okay to nurse them to sleep? What, what's the repercussions? Are they going to wake more because I'm nursing them instead of maybe a a bottle at night or just like I said, weaning them, right? Like whatever it may be is again, kind of going to correlation or tips or anything like that, or a resource you have that we can dive in deeper with this. What is your best approach to nursing to sleep of any sort? nap, bedtime, et cetera. Yeah. So this is such a common question because there's so much conflicting information out there. Like moms are fed this like lie really that nursing to sleep is going to be so detrimental and so damaging, which is just not true. Like if you have been a breastfeeding mother to a baby, you know, that it is nine times out of 10 going to put them to sleep. And that is not by accident. Like it is designed to put them to sleep. So I personally have always nursed my babies to sleep just because it's the quickest and the easiest thing for me to do. And I have two older kids that sleep all night long in their own rooms and it's not an issue. So to answer, like, is it a bad habit? Am I setting myself up? No, like only if, you know, it's not working for you. If it's something that you don't want to do, your baby's not actually falling asleep while nursing, or you just you don't want to, for whatever reason, I don't care what the reason is. Um, then you don't have to, you can offer a feeding, make sure that you keep them awake during the feeding, which is kind of hard sometimes. Um, but you know, then you can rock them to sleep or do something else and, and then transfer them to sleep. So you don't have to nurse them all the way to sleep. It doesn't really become a bad habit in the sense that, you know, if your baby wakes up at night, it's for a reason. It could be hunger. It could be something else. And often nursing them back to sleep is the quickest and easiest thing and it works well for everybody. So do that. Great. It's not necessarily going to make them wake up more if you do that, but like anything else, it can become a habit, right? It can be become their favorite way to go back to sleep. So mm-hmm. if that's not something you want to do, then you would want to just introduce some other sleep associations. You'd want to introduce some other things as well. So maybe you don't nurse them every time if you know that they're not hungry, but you start to rock them back to sleep or you just rub their back to get them back to sleep or something like that. Um, and I do have a, um, a couple of resources that talk about this a little more in depth. So kind of depends on how old your baby is, but I have, um, a night weaning guide and a better bedtimes guide. Both of those are kind of geared towards toddlers, um, which talks because, you know, up to 12 months, it's really normal for babies to still need night week night feeding. So I don't really recommend weaning from them before that. But once they're in the toddler stage, there are definitely things that you can do to stop nursing to sleep, stop the nighttime feeds overnight. And you can do it in a really gradual way that, um, is going to be respectful of your baby and not give you mastitis by weaning too quickly. Um, and things like that. And then I have some other breastfeeding, um, and nursing and bottle feeding resources on my blog as well. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. You, I mean, you literally have everything. So that oh, thank is- <laughs> you. I try to cover all the bases. I try to cover everything. Yeah. And I do like weekly Q and a, um, on my Instagram too, for, you know, any other lingering questions that people have, if they don't have time to sift through everything that I have online. So, yeah, I, I used to, I don't know if you do them anymore. Cause I, I only see your stuff like every so often, right. It's like the damn algorithm. I don't see your stories often. I know. But I know. I know. 
I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to like be sure I'm really like favoriting people now and using that, that tab, like specifically because people really do disappear. It's so annoying. They do. It is annoying, but I remember you, you always would do like TikTok roundups, like your favorite TikToks yes, of the week. Every Sunday, um, yeah. every Sunday. And one time you featured mine and I like fangirled, but people, um, <laughs> sent it to me cause I was, I'll have to attach it just cause it's so funny to look back on, but it's I so was good. rocking, I was rocking my son to sleep for one of the, like what I thought would be last time. Right. And so I'm rocking him, but it, I totally did it in time-lapse. So it was like, it was so good. It was like the funniest oh. thing I've ever seen. I got so many messages about that. <laughs> I was like, was oh hilarious. my God, like, what did I do? Um, but it was, it was, it was an iconic moment for me. So it really when was it, a really good one. Well-deserved. I appreciate that. Um, so when it comes to you and, and what you do, what are some like last little bits you would say just in general, I would say aiming more towards like your overall message, you know, doing what's best for you, but like how sleep training, you know, maybe could be for some moms, right? Yeah, However, yeah. more so what would be your last like tidbit of information for people just to maybe do more research? Maybe let's right. call it that, you know? Right. Yeah. And I think this idea of like, do your own research is like such a like, um, cliche now, but it really is true as far as sleep. Like when I was a new mom, the only solution I got was sleep train, even from my doctor, my, my pediatrician told me when he was four months old that he could do cry it out. So I was getting that message from there. I was getting it from online. I was getting it from, you know, friends that everybody said, like, you just have to sleep train. It's inevitable. Everybody does it. So either do it now or do it later, but you're going to have to do it. And so I did it and it didn't work for me. And it works for a lot of people. And again, that's great. But what I really care about, like, I don't really care if you sleep train or not. I really just want you to make the choice because it's what you want to do and Mm -hmm. it's what you need to do. And I want you to have all of the options and to not make that choice out of fear because babies all over the world sleep despite being not sleep trained. So I think in this country, it's so it's become so mainstream that again, people don't look at it from that bigger global lens, right? Like we think, oh, we are just going to sleep train because that's what everybody does. But no, actually not everybody does it. Like the majority of the world support their baby to sleep and sleep comes at a developmentally appropriate time. And I know that's not like the most convenient answer for a lot of people because we're conditioned to think that our babies should sleep through the night in their own rooms from, you know, four or six months or whatever, and, and never need us again. (laughs) And we think of it as like, it's like this finish line that we have to achieve sleep through the night. But, you know, even my, my baby who slept through the night at a year, he went through a period at four where he was scared and had to, you know, have us lay with him again. So, Mm -hmm. you know, parenthood is always changing. And so the bottom line is just, you're never going to spoil them. And you're never going to, um, do the wrong thing or make the wrong choice by choosing to support them. So whatever that looks like to you is great and you will make the right choice. I just, I just care that people make the choice, not from a place of fear, but from a place of empowerment. Yeah. And I think that that word in general is, can really reign over your whole brand is just the word choice. Like you just, you have choices. Um, And it doesn't, your only choice doesn't have to be for either sleep deprivation or sleep training. Like it's like just, there's different ways to approach it. And like you said, I think the biggest takeaway for me, even in this season of life for me, mindset, mindset, mindset is everything. How are we setting up our night? How are we setting expectations? Mm -hmm. Um, How are we setting expectations for our our partner and ourselves, et cetera. Um, So I love that. And I hope that even in this like short episode, people can pack a punch of like, even just what you're about, your brand is about and be able to dive in deeper. Again, you have so many resources, Thank you. so many 
things, so many great highlights. I mean, it's really never ending. So again, I appreciate um, you taking the time to talk verbally over these things. Cause I know that you talk, you talk about them all the time. Right. And at some yeah. point it's like, Ooh, another, another Sunday, I'm going to talk about weaning again, you know, like, <laughs> can't wait. Um, but I can I know you have so much passion for what you do. And again, I, I appreciate do. you sharing that. So Thank if you. you could just tell us just one more time where to find you kind of yeah. that, that re elevator pitch of what you also offer, so yeah. people know where to find you and what they could look for. Yeah. So my name is Rachel and you can find me on social media. I'm on, um, Instagram and TikTok at Hey Sleepy Baby. My website is just HeySleepyBaby.com. And on there, I've got a blog and lots of free resources. I also have courses and guides for every age group from birth to age six. So whatever sleep problem you're struggling with in those early years, I hope that I have, um, exactly what you need and that you can find some help and some community on my page. My community is the absolute best. Um, they're so supportive of each other and yeah, like just come hang out with us and know that like you are normal and there's nothing you're doing wrong. If you have a baby that wakes up or if you struggle with naps, like you're in good company and we would love to have you come on and join us. I love that. Well, and you have cute merch too. I'm just going to plug that. (gasps) Thank you. Yes. I know. I don't talk about my merch enough. I have a new one. I have a new one coming out. So I've been like kind of just waiting to get those samples. Um, but yeah, probably by the time this episode comes out, I'll have launched it. It's a really cute new sweatshirt with a great message. And I'm going to be donating, um, all of the proceeds to women's mental health. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Well, I'm excited for that. Um, I'll, I'll pick up, I'll pick up an old design no matter what. I'll send you one. I'll send you one. Oh my gosh, please. That would be epic and amazing. Well, thank you again for coming on. Um, I'm excited to see what you continue to do and the message you continue to spread. Um, I will, I hope that this also reaches someone who needs it and maybe they're scrolling, maybe they're 3am scrolling. Please God put this in their timeline. You know what I'm saying? Let let this be their 3am feed. Um, But thank you, Rachel. I hope you have a great day. Can't wait for this to go live and we'll stay in touch. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day. day. You too. Bye. That's all for this episode of Brunch with Desby. I hope you enjoyed hanging out, laughing, or maybe even crying with me today because let's be honest, you never know what you'll get here. Be sure to subscribe to my podcast, share with your family and friends, or even just to social media and tag me in it so I can share. Love you guys.